Welcome to Genesis. Let's let's stand and hopefully when others hear the music, they'll they'll march their way in here. We're gonna do this old song called Love Lifted Me. If you were if you're over 30, you probably know it, and if you're under 30, you'll know it by verse two. So <laughs> join in with us.
Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning. It's so nice to stand here and look at everybody's smiling faces. That's because God is here with us in this beautiful sanctuary. And, and praise those who are watching us on, uh, on Zoom as well. Uh, I'm Harvey Curley. I'm up here to uh, talk about our testimony, what's happened to you uh, over the past week. How has God influenced your life? So let me ha see uh, some hand raised and I'll come up to you with the microphone. Hello. Hello, Harvey. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, I was listening to a pastor this week who um, reminded me that in biblical times, not everyone had a Bible in their, in their home. Actually, most people could not read. So they had to um, um, memorize the Torah. We, as you know, 21st century humans, have a Bible at the ready. Whatever translation we want, um, it's we can have it. And in doing that, we have lost the energy, the excitement of the scriptures, of the word. And I was thinking about the song that, that they just sang, they, uh, Marty just sang about being able to see his goodness in every parts of our life. And it is so easy to get numb, to get numb and forget how good he is and how much we are loved and that we should every day think of the good that he's done. And not only that, but don't just praise him and worship him when you have come out of something. Even in the dull, even in the routine, just remember that he is, he is our God and he is awesome. And that we should go to him and connect with him and, and plug into him. So I just, that was on my heart. Hopefully that makes sense to you because it makes sense in my mind. I have ADHD, it makes sense up here, but hopefully, you know, I articulated it good enough for somebody to at least get a little piece of it. Good, thank you. And all God's people said amen. Who else? I'll lip over to you. <laughs> Hi, good morning. My heart is beating really fast, so I feel like I need to share. Um, I had a really strange dream last night, and I was joking about it with my husband this morning because so many little pieces were like, I spent three hours looking for something yesterday and I couldn't find it, and that was in there, and like just a whole bunch of stuff. And during that song, um, God just hit me with like, these are all things I've saved you from. And one was like a random old boyfriend and like a flood, but like I've been through a flood and like, yeah. So I was feeling emotional about it, but God's like, I saved you from all those things. 
Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Good morning. Um, this week, I think it was uh, Friday, I couldn't find my car keys and it was freezing cold and I had been looking for over an hour. I knew they were in the car because the car wouldn't start if they weren't in there. But I took everything out of the car. Two hours, freezing, thought I had frostbite on my toes. That's how cold I was, couldn't find the keys. And I was asking the Lord, I said, okay, so I'm not gonna get upset because Lord, you have a reason when there's a delay for anything. I don't know what the reason is, but I need you to help me find my keys. He sent somebody along, they came with a flashlight and they were shining all everywhere, you know, and they were like, I don't see them anywhere. They were just about to give up. They shine one more place under the back seat. I don't know how they got there. Under the back seat, like almost near the trunk. And we had taken everything out of the trunk and everything out of the car. And we found the keys two and a half hours later, two and a half hours. And so I just thank God that whatever he was delaying me for, whatever he was saving me from, I'm just thankful for it. I don't know what, it, I don't want to know what it was. <laughs> I'm just thankful for him. <laughs> Wonderful. Anyone else? Yes. Oh, I got go, my own. Go, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we are in a busy season, um, especially with this young man's job over here. Um, yeah, wave, wave to the people. Um, just work around the clock and we're looking for something different and we have just been tested a lot of just running on fumes and not having a lot. And I have a sinus surgery coming up finally to give me some relief. And he's been having to travel out of state and go on all these projects and work, you know, 70 plus hours a week. And we had a huge answer to prayer this week in which his, his uh, travel next week was canceled. Um, so he gets to stay home and not travel to the wonderful place that is Topeka, Kansas. Uh, <laughs> for just a day and then uh he was actually able to get some medical leave to be able to be with me for a whole 12 days after my surgery and we are just so so grateful and thankful for that answer to prayer because we really can use that time together so praise for that thank you <laughs> anybody else uh just a quick uh, announcement a couple um Matthew 25 is going strong in our church. As you know, for the past week, uh, we had the brothers and sisters come and stay with us. We have another seven days to go. You all know what Matthew 25 is, right? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was homeless and you took me in. So we're enjoying that. It's a wonderful time. And what we would do is ask all of you to pray for us. And... Um, that things will go well. Has anybody ever <clears throat> suddenly get a thing in your head that you don't know where it came from, uh, something that maybe from your past? Has anybody done that? You have, you have. Uh, Friday morning, this tune came into my head. And I know God put it there and because uh, he's got something that he's going to <laughs> He's going to have me do. And this song 
and I know nobody here has ever heard of it probably. Uh, I'm guessing that I probably sang it when I was eight years old in 1945 at church. And now 1945, was, I was a Presbyterian. I had been sprinkled, but eventually I got immersed. But the name of the song is, Isn't it grand to, to be a Christian? Anybody ever heard it? Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand? Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Isn't it grand? Isn't it grand to be a Christian? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday, isn't it grand? Then it goes on, isn't it grand to love your neighbor and so forth? So I'm convinced that I've got that silly song in my head that God is saying, Harvey, get ready, because I'm going to give, I'm going to give you an assignment that you and I are going to work together and it's going to get done. So I praise that, but what a silly song, right? 1945, that was great though. Okay, nobody else? Um, we've got our praise group up there. Ladies and gentlemen, you're beautiful. God bless you. And thank you, everybody. Okay, back to 2023. I was surprised you didn't know that one. You know, you know every song. <laughs> Uh, as uh, as Christians and human beings, we uh, tend to make things a whole lot more complicated than they need to be. We create problems in our head that aren't there. We go to the the worst extreme ever when we think of a situation of the possible outcome. But we, it, it's important that we get back to the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of just how easy it is to how easy it is to just come to Jesus when we need things or when we just want to praise him or just talk to him. Um, so this next song, that's the name of the song. It's called Simplicity, and it just talks about how we just need to get back to the basics of our Christian walk. And, and sometimes we have so many things that cloud our judgment and, and cloud the things that we do. And it's just important that we realize how actually simple it is. So let's stand and sing that. Let's sing this song. I come in simply. 
Lord, we come into your presence this morning, Father, to thank you for your presence. We thank you for the sweet spirit that's here this morning. Father, we thank you that you're always with us, Father, and we're thankful that you're so faithful. We give you our hearts this morning, Father. We pray that you would just go with us in all that we do. We love you and thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, welcome to Genesis. My name is Allison Caneza, and we have a few announcements this morning. First of all, uh, it is a fifth Sunday, so I think we've got some Treehouse kids in here with us. Uh, you guys are dismissed at this time. Miss Jerry's at the back. She's gonna take you upstairs, and you are gonna have loads of fun. So, all the Treehouse kids can exit. All right, for everybody else, uh, Please take a moment to let us know that you're here, and you can do that by either filling out the digital green card, um, and you received that in the text this morning, or also it's available on our website, or there are physical green cards in the pews in front of you, and you can fill those out as well. If you are new to Genesis, uh, text NEW to Genesis, all one word, to 94000, and that will um, connect you with some other information and um, text messages for reminders and things like that. And then you can place that physical green card in the wooden box uh, in the narthex, just behind the, the doors there. And that's also where you can place an offering if you brought it with you. And thank you to everyone who continues to faithfully give online via text, and all of the different ways that we make that possible. All right. So first of all, a big thank you to everyone who has helped out at the Warming Center so far. We have one week down and we're starting our second week today. Also wanted to mention and thank our partner church communities who serve with us. So if you have been here volunteering, you may have met some new people from other communities in the area, and um, specifically Cana Lutheran Church in Berkeley and Kensington Community Church in Birmingham serve with us here. And this year we actually have some additional volunteers from Calvary Christian Church. They're located here in Royal Oak. Um, they're thinking about opening their doors next year and adding on to the schedule. And so they've kind of been spending some time with us and getting to know how the process works. Um, so it's been really great to have them here as well. Everything has been going really well. Um, we have had no COVID positive guests, which is a big answer to prayer. So thank you. Um, and thank you again for everybody who has helped out. I'm happy to report that all of our overnight host roles are filled. No one's going to feel guilty about not. Uh, I don't have to beg this morning. Um, if you are available next Sunday, we do need a little bit more help with teardown. So that would be primarily putting, uh, taking down all of the sleeping cubbies that we put up last Sunday and getting those packed up and ready to move on to the next church. So that would be right after service. And then Sunday evening, we are transporting our guests to the next church. And if uh, we're looking for two more vehicles, so if you have an hour to spare and a vehicle from about 6.45 to 7.45, um, we would love to have you. And you can sign up for all of that on the Sign Up Genius and the boards in the back have QR codes. You can, they'll take you right there. If you have any questions about a shift coming up, 
but times are a little crazy, especially for the hosts. Don't hesitate to reach out. It, it really stinks to show up on the wrong morning for your 2 a.m. shift. It has happened. Uh, you don't want it to happen to you. Please don't hesitate to let us know. Um, and if you do get sick, let us know that uh, as well, and we can get somebody to come in. And for a hospitality reminder, um, as we continue to host the Warming Center, which will be all the way through next Sunday, um, all, all of our guests and volunteers are required to wear masks. And so we're asking if uh, the community, as you come in on Sunday, if you would be willing to put one on as well. That hopefully helps keep everyone safe and uh, COVID-free as we head into the following weeks. Um, I did want to share uh, just a moment that I had last week when after we had set up all the sleeping areas, we were getting the guests were picking out where they were going to sleep. And one gentleman looked at me and he said, this is too nice. And on the one hand, you could pat yourself on the back for providing a place um, that he feels safe and comfortable. But doing that is the very baseline. It's the base level. Any community could pull this off more than likely. What uh, our encouragement and my reminder to myself always is, it's the affirming of everyone's dignity that's most important. And you could just hear it for him to think that that was too nice that that's a need in his in his world, right? And so it's our role, our way to um, go above and beyond is to connect with our guests and affirm their dignity, um, as well as all of the volunteers and everyone here. So that's my encouragement to you, because it is also my encouragement to myself and my prayer to myself. All right. Uh, next up, I believe Dan has an announcement. Thank you, Allie. Um... I'm kind of getting like Harvey because I turned 70, so just blame it on my old age. But I'm going to say two things before I get to announcements. One is this morning as Sharon and I were doing our morning uh, devotions, we saw uh, a picture of an icon of Dorothy Day. Some of you may have heard about her. She was an amazing Catholic uh, um, minister to those who were poor. And it was a picture of Dorothy Day and Jesus who was homeless. It was just amazing. And just as we go into this uh, second week of our time serving the homeless in our community, uh, realize that uh, we're serving the Lord. So thank you for all of you who are part of that. Second thing is we were late because we spent 20 minutes on I-75 waiting to get around a flipped over semi-trailer. And um, so as we're stuck there, and I mean, we're literally just sitting for a long time Sharon said we're not gonna make the music let's sing so we started singing uh, some praise songs and then wouldn't you know the praise band did two songs usually they don't do two songs after after testimonies so I was I felt like God just said I know you were stuck there for a while here's a little bit extra grace so thanks to the praise team for all of their leading now <laughs> I am one of the elders, and there are uh, six of us elders right now, uh, and we're looking for a few more elders, because uh, I know at least one of our elders is coming off. Um, you have so many years that you can serve, or terms that you can serve before you have to take a vacation. And so uh, we're looking for elder nominations. And back in the back, uh, next to the offering box and uh, whatever communication box there, are some uh, flyers that have uh, elder nomination questions, and I'm going to just just pass it down, and if it runs out, there's more 
there's more, um, you, you don't have to take one. Just take one if you got an idea or you want to know more about uh, what requirements are for elders. Uh, but we, we're looking for names of people you think would be good spiritual leaders for our congregation. Uh, we meet uh, once a month, but we do a lot uh, between then, uh, between those meetings. But once a month with the pastors is kind of a... Uh, kind of oversight for the congregation. And um, so we're looking for people with spiritual integrity, folks that have been a part of our community for at least two years, uh, folks that are involved in some form of leadership, uh, uh, specifically spiritual leadership of some kind somewhere. Um, and so be thinking of that. We're also going to be, the process is that the names come in, we check with them, see if they want to serve, you know, because half the names that come in people say i can't do it for whatever reason but uh once we figure out everybody who who's willing to be considered then we have an interview process and we're going to be uh calling some of you to serve on that interview team uh to interview elder candidates and then pass on uh your your thoughts to the elders as we then have the uh, an interview and then they're brought to you as a congregation. Uh, that'll be sometime in May. Uh, we're going to be having a big visioning meeting in June. So we want the new elders to be a part of that as we uh, work on, on what God's calling us for uh, toward in the, in the days ahead. Uh, the deadline is for nominations is February the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. So if you just got warning, you got Valentine's Day coming up. But February 13th is when the elder nominations are there. Okay? So see me. Um, ben Hoskins is, is also one of our elders, and he and I are working together on the elder nomination process. So you can let us know uh, or even drop a name in the, in the, uh, uh, in the back. And, and uh, there's more of those uh, flyers I was just passing out back there uh, if you want to get uh, give some deep thought to it. Pick one of those up and uh, pray over it as, as you uh, try to respond to what the Spirit may be saying about our church and leadership in the days ahead. Okay? Thank you. Who's next? Is it fellowship time? Okay, so get up, chat with each other, uh, get to know your brothers and sisters uh, a little bit more, share what God is doing. God bless you.
Check. Good morning, church. Hey, um, so if anybody here drive a Subaru? Ascent? Anybody drive a Subaru Ascent? If you do, and you, it's an old school car where you need the key to start it, check your pockets, because supposedly it's running in the parking lot. If it's new school, maybe you have a remote starter and you started it, but there's a Subaru Ascent running in the parking lot. And if that's intentional, by all means, keep it running. Keep it warm for when you get in. Uh, it was Dan that Dan brought up Dorothy Day, who I kind of came across this week, too. And then she was a part of the um, Catholic Youth Workers. She was an, an activist and an anarchist who, who joined forces within the Catholic Church. And it was writing about her. There was different times within the country where there was bombing raids that you would have to participate in these bombing raids yearly, and the government mandated it because of just the fear of war and retaliation and all that. And Dorothy Day, as a pacifist, refused to participate in the bombing raids and would be arrested every time. And her non-participation got her arrested because she was like, no, I I take no part in war or the, the acts of it. And so um, if you're interested in her, she seems like a fascinating uh, woman who was pursuing to follow Jesus in word and deed. She talked about a third way between um, capitalism and socialism. Uh, I'm not saying, no, there's not just two. There's there's different ways. So that's random this morning. Uh, This morning, we're going through the Revised Common Lectionary not like going through it, but we're using the teachings of Jesus and we're saying what the churches who use this calendar and the scriptures, we're kind of submitting and say, let's join with this bigger church in the, the specific teachings. And so today is this one on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are these eight blessings that are found in the most famous teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. They could be considered like the declaration of independence of Jesus. Sometimes they feel so over our heads and lofty and different that it's like, let's just, Jesus, just get to the teaching where you tell us what to do. Sometimes they feel like they're beyond us and and weird or otherly or that we don't fit into them. But as I was sitting with them and learning from others this week, I believe that we will realize they are for us. And there's a number of different ways that we can read these. And my hope is that you would choose to engage these blessings of Jesus differently. That you might use them to pray, adding them to a prayer practice of just reading them. Maybe you'd even choose to memorize them as a way of our hearts being oriented to Jesus. With that in mind, I don't know what you've brought in with you this morning. And so it can make it difficult to feel like then that we can engage this conversation of Beatitudes where they start with blessed. And you may have come in not feeling blessed. You may come in feeling heavy. What have you brought in with you? What are you carrying this morning? Pause there for a moment to think, what's the heaviest thing you're carrying? I can list a few for me. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm carrying the news and the revelations of Tyree Nichols. 
and the horrendous video released of his murder. His, his murder in Memphis by five police officers. An act of injustice. A racist act at that against him and his death of an innocent man being pulled over and again facing police brutality. I did not watch the video. But I carry this with me, this knowledge, this knowledge of police officers not doing their job and medical technicians not doing their jobs, ignoring. And I carry with this in the sense of what in the world is this world? I carry with me still the fingerprints of a funeral I did yesterday, the residue of the funeral that I did yesterday for a young girl named Kylie LaPierre, 19-year-old, who took her life a week ago. She was a Royal Oak student, graduated a couple years ago, struggled with mental illness and mental health, brokenness through family and fractured relationships. I didn't know even what I was going to step into if there would be fights at the funeral. So I carry, I carry that residue, still aching and feeling the disruption of it. I carry with me the brokenness of Carmel and my wife and her inability to breathe this week and been down and on oxygen the whole week. I, I, I carry those things. They're, they're with me. I carry my weaknesses and all of that. Those are the those are the heavy things. What are you carrying? This isn't comparison about who's carrying the, uh, like, right? This isn't that, but we're carrying. This is what you brought with you. This is what's in our worlds. It could be a, a, a fight. It could be a disruption. It, it, could, it could be pain. Yeah, maybe you're carrying with you something good, but, what, but, but other, what's the heaviest thing you're carrying? And turn to a person that you could speak without yelling and and share what's the heaviest thing you're carrying or what's something heavy you're carrying if you want if you don't want to disclose but turn to person and 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 connect this reality that we're carrying stuff there's things that we've brought with us so what's the heavy that you're carrying and if you want to fake that you're doing just turn your head to the right or left i won't know if you're whispering or not If no one's around you, you can tap someone on the shoulder. So sometimes when we have these kinds of things, whether it be the brokenness of our bodies, the brokenness of others, the brokenness in this world, the brokenness in our environment. Uh, Nate, one of our other pastors, has, got released from the hospital yesterday because he had kidney stones and it wore a hole into his kidney and had to get emergency, had a, a surgery to put a stent in. And while they're doing the stent, they found a tumor in his bladder and they're on, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they're like, okay, we don't know, but you know, all this. So he is home and recovering and praying for no infection. But everybody's carrying something. 
And so today we're talking about this Beatitudes where Jesus tells this story and begin, or tells these, gives us these words to his disciples and he begins them all with blessed. Blessed. And I think to our Western ears, we're going to hear the disconnect between the blessings of Jesus and what he says and between how we hear it used in our world when we see those phrases of blessed on social media or on Instagram and all of this. They, they are not connected to these stories. They're, they're connected to beautiful moments with, with families and kids and time spent in Jamaica and, and good meals with lots of meat or roasted vegetables if you eat those and right like whatever it might be or or these beautiful curated pictures of our kids getting along or of the growing family you know all all those things of of being with it but yet, yet jesus opens us up for us today and it's not to exclude us these are to include us i pray that we have ears to be included even more deeply into this life of jesus today that might have felt far from us, but would feel way more near. So Holy Spirit, come. Advocate. Counselor, comforter, teacher. Teach us. You sat your disciples on a mountain and you taught them. Ordinary people, so come and teach us. Sit us by your mountain and let us learn from you. Let us hear your intent and your purposes and receive your blessing. Amen. So this is Matthew 5. Let me, let me read this. I've, I was always kind of wondering about how to just jump into this today. But here we go. This is Matthew 5 what has been called the Beatitudes, from 1 to 12. One day Jesus saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around them, and he began to teach them. He gathered the learners, the students, Jesus' disciples around them, men and women. And he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor, and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth or the land. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or righteousness. You may have grown up hearing that, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, they'll be shown mercy. God blesses those hearts, those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace or who are peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you, lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about this. Be very glad. For great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. 
When you hear these, do they wash over you? Do they invite you in? Or do they feel distant? They feel like poetry that you don't get. Do they feel like, ah, maybe if I did something different, I would receive a blessing? Or do they resonate? And my hope is to give us some kinds of tools to be able to read these and understand these and enter these into the words and the teaching of Jesus. At the beginning of this is invitation and paradox. But it's an invitation. Come. Come. This is the language of these. These are not requirements for blessing. Meaning that you got to have all this. If you got this, then you're blessed. They're not requirements. Instead, they're an invitation based on the, re- the, the reality from Jesus' eternal perspective. They invite us. They woo us. And they say, come up further. Come down further. Come in further. They bind us to the divine mystery of Jesus. They're inviting us. They're wooing us. Come in. Come in, come in, come in a little closer. Come up, come in. But not only are they an invitation, they're, they're, they're paradox. Right? They're, they're two things that seem that don't connect. They're, they're things that they're mysterious and we, we can't seem to hold them. They're saying, oh, you're blessed if this is that, but yet they don't sound like blessings. They sound like what the world would say would be unfortunate things. And yet the paradox of these is, is this way that, that some would describe it as, you know, like saying, what Jesus is saying, oh, you're going you're gonna to come up like you're stepping on a ladder and you're going to ascend. And you're going to grow in this reality of who God is. But also there's the descent to this. That's the paradox. In these, there's this invitation to go up more closely with God, but also descending into death into the own reality of our lives being open and poured out towards love for others. There's an inward pull into the interior of our lives, and there's an exterior pull into the lives of others. You see that paradox of those things. We're pulled in and we're pulled out. We're pulled up and we're pulled down. And so they can be confusing. But we're, we're welcomed into this mystery of this upside-downness that if you go up, you're going to go down, right? If you're first, you're last. It all seems like this weird wisdom of, of people when you come out the end and you say, I have no clue what you just said. But this is the paradox. You're being drawn in closer, but also being sent out and down the way that Jesus went down, serving the lowly, emptying himself in this self-giving love. That's what they are. An invitation, come, and a paradox. Can you hold on to the mystery? A number of theologians and ancient thinkers were like, um, when you finally believe you've understood God, you don't know anything. <laughs> That's not God. That's something else. And so these invite us into paradox, something that is beyond us but for us. It's an invitation that we say yes to and say, this this is more, but yes. So there's these metaphors to these beatitudes. Like we said, one of the metaphors is a ladder. 
And this ladder, it's not linear like A plus B, but these Beatitudes build upon each other. They're interconnected and there's a specific order to them. They grow upon each other. So the metaphor could be a ladder that you climb as we, uh, we're ascending into who God is. But they're also a spiral. Interconnected and weaving and flowing downward in a beautiful pattern. Maybe those are metaphors that can help you as you think about these. Uh, uh, this, it's not a ladder of achievement. It's not like, oh, we're climbing the spiritual ladder of achievement and we're going to become better disciples. That's not it at all. No, there's no rungs to be climbed in this invitation. But it's an invitation into a new kind of living. That's not achievement. But it is consent and action. It says, oh, live this way. It's not an arrival or an achievement, but an invitation to live the life of Jesus. An invitation that leads us up to a higher place in Jesus, but at the same time, an invitation to follow Jesus downward. These Beatitudes can also be described in this way, a biography of Jesus. Every one of them describing Jesus. You want to know what Jesus looks like? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed is the peacemaker. Blessed are who hungers and thirsts for justice. Blessed are those who are persecuted. It looks like Jesus, poor in spirit, meaning that Jesus emptied himself. Complete dependency upon God. That's what Ephesians say. He's the self-emptying one. Jesus, the one who weeps over the pain of the world. Blessed are the meek, the humble. Jesus, the one who comes meek and gentle on a cult. The one who proclaimed justice to the nations. The merciful one. The one more than anyone who, who ever lived with a pure heart. Jesus was the prince of peace and the peacemaker. And the one who was hated, mocked, and persecuted, and never fought back. So you can read these as a biography of Jesus. Oh, this is what Jesus looks like. These are ways that we can step into this invitation. But if we're going to understand the invitation and the paradox, we have to understand blessing. What does that word mean? And we've looked at some of those. There's some, and, and so the challenge with anything is taken from an ancient language is to know that some words have so much more meaning than what our language does. And blessing is one of those. Sometimes they, they use the word happy. And, and, and that's not it. And blessing even, it, it, it seems to disconnect. The early church, when they were wrestling through this with blessing, the early church, it came to mean the ultimate joy of sharing in the life of God. The Greek term is makaeros. I just met Paul. Paul could probably, Paul, I, I didn't study any Greek. Um, I, Hebrew's phonetic. 
but I don't know Greek. And so, but that, that's, the, that's the way at least the term is spelled, but then that's the term for blessing. And the early church was like, okay, it, it's bigger, it's more robust. And that's why when you look at different translations and you see multiple words given in a translation, that if you read different versions of the Bible and they use different language, that means that word is much bigger. If there's a note in there where it says, oh yeah, this word can mean justice or righteousness or blessing or favor or happiness, or it can mean this or that, that just means it's way bigger than our language. There are no words. We don't have the word to hold this. And so sometimes we need pictures and images. And this idea of blessing is this ultimate joy of sharing in the life of God. This is extended to us all. It's not withheld. It's not for the few. The joy of participating in the fullness of God. I know that when Jesus told his disciples, he says, disciple them, teach them what I've taught them, and immerse them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, some people have taken that to mean, oh, we're to get water in a pool, and then we, we say, in the, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're going to take you in the water, we're going to pull you out, and that's what Jesus meant. No, he didn't mean that. He meant to immerse them. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who's God, be dunked into the fullness of God's joy, God's union, God's love. Let them be pulled into this flow. The ancient fathers called it a dance. They said there's this dance going on between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who are one. And you are pulled into that dance and said, come into my joy and my love. Come into me. There is room at my table for you. And blessing is those who taste and experience and say yes to that. And it's open to us all, this beautiful dance of God's love. That's what blessing is. It's extended to us all. And so I wrote down this sentence. There's a book that I was um, reading this, this, uh, this week, and the teacher's name is Stuart. He planted a number of churches in Canada, um, and he's got a, a nonprofit at this moment, but he wrote a, a book called The Beatitudes in a Time of Crisis, and he wrote it during COVID and also during the Black Lives Matter and the riots and the, the killing of George Floyd, and he was like, oh, we need this, and so his book was, and so I, I wrote this down from him, blessing is to participate in the life of the Trinity. Participating in the eternal, joyful, other-centered dance that is always taking place between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's forever, it's joyful, and it's other-centered. This is not about the future, it's about now. And that's what blessing is. There is an invitation. Come into the dance of God and know that you're connected into it. And so then... Do these words, with that kind of encouragement, mean something else to us? So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who have, who have poverty of spirit. Meaning, um, you're utterly undone. You're no longer dependent upon yourself. The poor in spirit, totally, total dependency, abandoned to self-reliance. 
This is the poor in spirit is embracing the reality that we need the Lord's help and mercy more than anything. Anybody there? Could you get there maybe? I, I, sometimes I can be there, but even though I'm kind of there, <laughs> that I need this more than anything, I can go all sorts of other places within my poverty of spirit instead of close into the invitation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom, meaning God is with us. God is for us. I will rush in with all of my being into your poverty. And we are one. This poverty of spirit, I've been, um, I've jumped back into therapy, and I, I'm meeting with this therapist, and I'm just talking about just the, the heavy stuff of life, and um, you know, I had a panic attack, I don't know, a few months ago, went on some anxiety medication and those kinds of things. But I kind of know that doesn't actually get to the underlying, like, what in the world's going on? Now, I kind of know what's going on. You know, Carmel is sick, cannot breathe, cannot, I, she, she wants to engage. She can't, she can't do it, so I'm doing it, right? I'm working here, some, you know, and I'm cooking, cleaning, caring for the boys and, and all of this, and, and, and many of you live that. You, you know what I like to be, to be pulled, and, and, and maybe you've got friends, family, that, but, but you're feeling pulled, and I was outside of my window of tolerance, and it was just too much, just too much. Um, and uh, mornings are terrible, dinner is terrible, and bedtime is terrible. I mean, any, anybody else? <laughs> yeah, right, the therapist is like, um, yeah. Those are pretty terrible for everybody. They're hard. And then I can get thrown. And, and, um, and then at the end of the day of my poverty of spirit, um, I want to eat ice cream and watch Netflix and not go to bed. Right? And that does nothing for the spirit except continue to let me know. Comfort, right? Comfort. But my, my therapist is like, um, how about some self-care? And what if you, um, in like... A, how about two times a day? You just, you just pause. Maybe you do yoga pose. Maybe you do a breath prayer, which could be like, um, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. So um, I found this app, and it's a one-minute pause. <laughs> They've got a three-minute, but I couldn't do that. That's pathetic. I'm too busy. I have to watch Netflix, and I have to look at Facebook or something, right? It's pathetic, I know. I'm not too busy, but three minutes felt like overachieving. <laughs> so I could push the one minute. Oh, and so can I, so this is what poverty of spirit, this is a prayer of poverty of spirit, and the kingdom of heaven is yours. This is from an app that's called Pause. <laughs> Um, John Ortberg created it, and he created these. And these have, this has been refreshing for my soul. I could have given this to you guys. So, um, Jim, I'm going to, because I'm not high tech, 
I'm going to turn on my phone. I'm going to use this microphone and put it up here, and you should be able to make it out, okay? This is the one minute that I've been trying to do twice a day. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. Self to you, Jesus, for union with you. I am created for union with you, God. I give everything in me for union with you, Lord. I need more of you, God. Fill me with more of you. That's good. That's enough for now. That's one minute. And on those days, it's like, yeah, that's enough for now. When I do the three-minute one, I get distracted, thinking about everything I have to do, and then gently pull myself back, you know. But for the one minute, I can breathe. My eyes water every time. And maybe it was you too, you hear that line and you're just filled with emotion because you know I give everything and everyone to you. You know what's included in that. And it feels heavy. I give everyone and everything to you. That's poverty of spirit because we cannot hold it. And Jesus says, oh yeah, yeah, yours is the kingdom. I was made for union with God. Oh, I need more of you, God. And Jesus says, yes. And the Father says, yes. And the Spirit says, yes. That's the beatitude. That's the blessing. It's an invitation. That's the Paul's app. If you're like, I need that. But if you're like, ah, it's annoying. I don't, find something else, right? <laughs> find what works for you. But for whatever reason, that one minute works for me. But that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like to say yes to that invitation and to that blessing. Jesus then said, blessed are those who mourn. They're mourning over our sins. They're mourning over the sin of the world, over the brokenness around us. They're saying, wait, I mourned over Kylie's death yesterday. The same way I'm mourning over Tyree Nichols' murder that happened in Memphis. I'm mourning over those systems that are in place. Mourning for his family and his life being snuffed out through systemic violence, through power being used again and again over people. You mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. This is an invitation to come near in the midst of our grieving. Jesus is inviting us to draw near to him who is called, the advocate is actually called the comforter. And when we're in deep pain, this requires a step of faith. When we're mourning, everything in us wants to withdraw into ourselves. Or if you're like me, to withdraw into comfort. 
instead of withdrawing into the comforter. There's not, man, ice cream is holy, Netflix is holy, wine is holy, you know, but if that's the only way we're not withdrawing into the comforter, it's something else, right? And so being with people with those things is not to um, shame ourselves. It's like, yeah, we're, we're needing some comfort. And, and those are good, but they're not the comforter. And every one of us knows it. So here's this blessing, that invitation, come in. Come in. Blessed are the meek, the gentle, the humble, if they won't inherit the land. The humble, the meek. Sometimes we think when we see about the weak and the humble and the gentle, that sometimes when we see what's happening in the world, there's two responses to the idea of what's happening. We can fight, or you can, yeah, run, flee, fight or flight. And those seem to be that. But what if there's a third way? What if, what if it isn't just those two things of engaging in what the world is happening right now? What if there's a third way into this? that isn't just fleeing or running. Jesus seemed to say there was strength under control. When Jesus was teaching um, in Matthew 5 in this part, and he talked about the oppression that the people were under, he was talking about a third way, and he went in and he said, okay, if, um, if somebody comes along and slaps you in the face, which is a great offense, so you can either run away or you can punch them back, right? Those seem to be the options. But Jesus said, how about turn the other cheek? And in that, he is, he's putting up a, a resistance of sorts, but not with violence, as a way to put it back upon them again. And there's a ton of cultural context into this about what was appropriate and what wasn't. And what they're saying is saying, okay, if you're gonna slap me, how about I allow you to do it again, but you're gonna have to do it in a way that's only gonna be more offensive for you. And how about if somebody is suing you and they take your shirt? They actually win. What do you do? Fight them harder? Run from them? He says, no, give them your cloak as well and be totally naked. Hand that over to them so they can see what they have done. Now, this is an honor, this is an honor shame culture. Jesus is doing nonviolent resistance here. He's making a point here. How about the Roman officer, the, the, the oppressors who are among them? They had the right to ask you, carry their stuff for a mile. Jesus says, okay, carry it for them two miles. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of fear happening there among them. They're not allowed to ask for two miles. What if it gets told you made somebody carry it for two miles and their superior hears about it, now they get in trouble. This is nonconformist. This, this, is, this is resistance with nonviolence, blessed are the meek. There is a humility to it, but it's not a fight or flight. It's an engagement into the systems and the power structures of our world. So when you hear people crying out in Memphis to say, hey, let's step in, but not with violence, with nonviolent resistance into these systems and structures that we see that are causing us to be poor in spirit and poverty, but we must, we must be meek and humble to step in there. We must be peacemakers because we can't bring violence into this. And we must be merciful because every part of us is going to lash out in revenge and retaliation. 
And you can begin to see how these would pull us, these, these Beatitudes would pull us into action, but would also pull us deeper into union with God, where we're kind of saying, oh, Lord, help. Fuel us with your life and your way, your invitation into you, but also into your living. Resistance without violence. That's a third way. They will inherit the land was the promise of this. It's an unwavering promise is the truth that the conquerors will come and go. The oppressors will come and go, but the meek stay, outlasting their oppressors. And they'll cultivate the land. That's the promise. Most of us think about justice as retribution, revenge, but Jesus blesses the merciful instead. To be pure-hearted is to live with no schemes. But to be able to see God in the faces of others, because they'll see God. Blessed are the pure-hearted, and they will see God. They're living with no schemes in life. There's no other plans. We're, we're stepping into the refining work of God. That's how purity comes. God refines us. They'll see God. The pure heart is about loving God and loving your neighbor, because in loving your neighbor, you're loving God and seeing God. They will see the face of God in their neighbor. Blessed are the peacemakers. God does not use violent means to obtain what he desires. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Who are sharing in the sufferings of Jesus and sharing in the body of Jesus. So you can see this invitation into something more in these that is for us right now. And I believe there's more to these. And so I want to invite you into them. Not so much into the statements, but into the life of Jesus. Maybe you feel the invitation with your life that might be poor and broken, like mine, but no, it's like, oh, I need this invitation. Another way of describing all of these is with this language, and this is, this is rough language, crucifixion and resurrection. The rough language is crucifixion, that there's always a death. And so the first part of every one of these beatitudes is in some way a death. A poor in spirit. Maybe it's a death of this false self, the ego, or something a part of us says that we've got it. We understand this. We have things under control. I don't know. But there's a death, a crucifixion. But praise be to God, there's a resurrection. It's not only a crucifixion. So if you're only experiencing that ongoing death, then we haven't entered into the joy of Jesus, which is experiencing his resurrection. New life in us, in the midst of poverty, mourning, being purified, peacemaking, humility and meekness, persecution. So with that, Jesus invites us into his life and says, this is not about you earning. This is about you being welcomed into it. You need this and I need this. So Father, 
May we hear your invitation into the mystery, into the bigness. May we feel you pulling us into you and your life, the invitation and the paradox. May we see the ladder and the spiral. May we see the crucifixion and the resurrection. But may we know that it's always your grace that is poured out on us in this journey. Because if not, we don't make it. We will be snuffed out and become nothing. But you are the God who raises the dead and sustains. And so we look to you for your grace among these blessings that we can participate in your life right now in the joy and the experience of the Holy Spirit right now. May we hear you woo us. and step into the waterfall of your love. You're generous and good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This idea of crucifixion and resurrection has to be met with grace in our lives. And so I, I loved this this week when I was studying and came across this about grace. And is that grace is the essential unwavering forgiveness, acceptance, and inclusion of God. God is not blind to the, our weaknesses and the reality of sin in our lives, but overcomes these with a greater truth. Here is the greater truth of God. God is always with you, and God is always for you. If God was going to say that in a personal way, the greater truth to the realities of our weaknesses and the realities of sins in the world, when Jesus says he's overcome these, what does he overcome it with himself? And his overcoming says this, I am always with you and I am always for you. Amanda saw the heaviness in my face and was saying those words to me this morning. Words of God, may you hear those this morning and receive them. As we go, can we take communion? I, I didn't have this prepared, and, um, but we have this, I have this beautiful cardboard box here in the back. <laughs> this curated moment of eating and partaking in the body of Christ. Austin, would you, would you take that beautiful box and hand out some of these self-contained communion? Paul, would you mind... And we'll take these, and oh, you already grabbed them. They sit in. So we offer this to everyone. It's an invitation that says, come near. These are little elements of juice and some kind of um, chemically produced thing. I, there might be wheat in it or grains. I don't even know what's in it. Here you go. I offer you this invitation that we would take this together. These just sound delicious. You just kind of shake it, right? <laughs> it's not about the taste. It's about this picture of Jesus saying, my life is for you. Come into it now. I'm going to grab one too. I, did everybody 
get some. We're going we're gonna to take and we're going we're gonna to eat in this. And may we remember all of the Beatitudes. Anybody else need one? Oh, you want to take the whole container? So my encouragement, if you can, read the Beatitudes again. Sit in them. See where Jesus wants to pull you in. Know they build upon each other. But may we feel pulled into the life of Jesus. I believe that these things also describe that. So would you stand with me? And Jesus offers his, his life, his blood, all that welcomed into the intimacy of God. To the fullness of his body. And so um, pull out the cracker first. Jesus is the perfect reflection of God. And to his family, he offered this bread to eat and said, this is in remembrance of me. Remember me. My body is broken for you. Broken, willfully, joyfully. Take on all sin where sin will be undone. Overcoming all of this. And he says, I am with you and I am for you. May you remember that. His body broken for us. And he offered us that, eat. Thank you, Jesus. Let's eat. Jesus took wine and he blessed God. The beautiful Jewish blessing that they would pray before drinking wine. Jesus did that. But he said, this is the blood of a a new relationship. We're bound together. Don't you forget it. My life, my life is given. Drink in confidence. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus said, I have the authority to forgive sins. And so when I say your sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. And this blood is a new covenant of that. That we can bless God who forgives sins as Jesus pours out his life. He says, my life is yours and yours is mine. We can experience the fullness and the intimacy of God. May you feel that woo and pulled in. Thank you, God, for your life, your blood, your being. We drink in communion with you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I was um, getting text this morning. Nate sent me one at 11.10, and so you can, this will be your blessing. This is his word for the church. And for you, for me, is this. He believes the word of the Lord is this for us. I feel seen, safe, surrounded, and supported. Well done. So may you feel seen, safe, surrounded, and supported by the Trinitarian God and by one another in this community. And as we step out as the hands and feet of Jesus, may we feel the joy of the self-giving God who pulls us in and says, well done sons and daughters. God bless you.
and your being and your going today. Thank you. Go. Be blessed, my friends.